Foden Beat Show, a weekly podcast about the 2024 Star Wars Armada Vassal World Cup. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back, everyone, to the Fode and Bead Show. This evening, I am both Fode and Bead. Rayleigh is not able to join us tonight. But the person that is able to join us, our special guest, M. Musterer. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Really excited to have you. I hope we're going to have a, a, a good show, a good discussion. Uh, I know you've been around the, the Armada scene for quite some time, and I'm, I'm looking forward to your insights on tonight's topic of Speed 2 Ships. Yeah, definitely. So before we get into the, the juicy stuff, we are going to pick you apart and find out your innermost secrets. So how long have you been playing Armada? I actually have been playing from the very beginning. I pre-ordered the set from my local game store when I found out it was coming out. Oh, wow. To the very, uh, very, very beginning. Yeah, I didn't play competitively for until probably Wave 3, but mostly just played with my buddy Pat in his house. Nice. So, obviously, you, you pre-ordered it, so you, you heard about it kind of ahead of time. Where did you find out about it? Uh, my local game store, I was playing a game of Warhammer Fantasy. I think it was 6th edition at the time. And a friend of mine told me, oh, this is coming out. You should look into it. So, we pre-ordered it. Nice, and the rest is history. So, you mentioned Warhammer Fantasy. You, you were obviously into mini war games before you, you came into Armada. Yes. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy, I played a little bit of War Machine for a while. Now I just play Armada and an occasional game of Legion and a Blood Bowl pool. Cool. Yeah, Rayleigh and I played um, We played 40K for a while. We played um, a little bit of Fantasy and some Malifaux, so good to hear. And so I guess, were you a Star Wars fan before the you kind of got introduced to the game, or did you just see this game and it's like, oh, that looks like a neat concept for a game and oh it's got a star wars skin cool uh i was a star wars fan of the original movies yes and read the timothy zan books and that's about it okay so yeah you hadn't done any of the the prequels or anything i've seen them now but at the time of that i had not oh yeah like very much an old school star wars fan i appreciate that yep so you have played in, in previous VWCs. I have. I'm not sure when my first one was. I was trying to think about that earlier. I think it was the first one during COVID. Okay, the, the first like uh, People's World Cup in, what was that, 2020, I think it was, or 2021? Yeah, basically 21. once lockdown started is when I started playing online. Okay. And that was right about when the, um, when the Clone Wars stuff first started coming out too, right? Yeah. Um, so how, I guess now the, um, the pod phase is over. How did you, how did you feel about your, your chances going into your pod against your opponents? Were you, were you expecting to, to come out of there or was it going to be a, a, a tough tooth and nail kind of battle? Oh, I was looking at who I had in my pod and going, ah, this is not going to be an easy time getting out. Uh, I was really happy with how I actually managed to play those games. Mm-hmm. Well, who who did you have in your pod? I had uh, Truthiness, and I had Fox, and those are the two that are new and was like, oh, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to play against them. Uh, the other guy in the in the league, I really didn't know anything about, so I wasn't afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that helps. Um, anonymity 
helps out there. Uh, any any of those games in particular stand out in your mind? Um, I really enjoyed playing Fox. I listened to you guys all the time, and I was like, wow, he sounds just the same when he's playing when the, versus when he's doing his show. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I feel like I feel like Fox is is just Fox. Like that's just that's what you get from Fox. Well, awesome, and, and obviously you did make it out of your um, out of your pod, and you've played your first game of the Swiss, and we'll we'll get to that a little bit later in our um, somewhat abbreviated Swiss recap. Um, but I guess let's move on to our main topic of the evening, um, which is the return or not of Speed Two ships. And I, I was really interested in getting your take on this in particular uh, because I think I, you kind of first came to my notice in that first People's World Cup in the pandemic when we were playing with just the bare, it was just the, the Clone War starter sets. You, you, and you had a fleet that was munificence and hard cells. And that's, that's all the tools in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the briefcase, right? And I remember you doing like, very well in that world cup despite only having a, a few of those speed two ships to, to work with yes i really enjoy flying in munificent i started with empire mostly and i liked the arcanins a lot and the munificent just flies better than an arcanins and that's when i was like you know what i'm gonna embrace this and go for it yeah it's, it's nice to be able to turn a little bit before you before the end of your of your stick yeah, and you don't have to do nav all the time. Yes, yes. Um, so I mean, just high level kind of stuff. When we talk about speed two ships, we're talking about peltas of all kinds. That's Republic and Rebel peltas. You're looking at the the home one style MC eighty, the the giant space hoagie. You're looking at the interdictors and the victory star destroyers of all kinds. You got the big big ones, the, the SSD and the Starhawk, and then you've got the, the munificence and obviously you know as time has gone by these you know different ships different styles kind of come and go um over the past year we kind of saw or probably more than that isn't it more maybe two years the the rise of the onager and the you know people's ability to do well with these slower ships kind of um yeah it got harder and harder and harder obviously and then this year especially things kind of went all over the place um, what, what was your kind of, um, feeling on that as, you know, as you play your fleet in this kind of, um, turbulent sea, if you will, of, of meta? Well, my take on it was always that the honor is scary for most B2 ships, but if you're flying in Munificent with thermals, it's not as scary. Also, I was running engine text for a while to give it that extra maneuverability to get around the honors. So basically running a, a, a fake speed three ship. But then, I mean, I guess at that point you're navigating a lot, which is... I was actually using Teeks a lot to give a nav token to get yeah. that engine tech when you need it. Right, right, right. Sneaky. And so for, for, you, for your experience anyway, the, the Munificence and Onager matchup wasn't, wasn't terrible because you had those two tools. Yes, uh, thermals is the big reason. So the, I guess the the sort of decline to an extent of some of the speed two ship choices that we saw, especially I, I feel like the the home ones have, have been in a, a bit of a tough spot for a while now. Um, obviously, the Starhawk has its own kind of um, 
unique way of of getting around that or had for for a while uh with with the the star hawk um the farm hawk yeah definitely the farm hawk was annoying um the i i feel that like i some of the peltas were too predictable against an onager they're just too easy to kill like anything that doesn't have a good maneuver chart and that's and stuck at speed too has to have really good defense. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and Peltas, I mean, to be fair, they're, they're, they're pretty tanky, but yeah, they're, they're pretty, um, pretty pokey, pretty predictable. I mean, I know, um, that's kind of when, when I see a, a fleet with a Pelta across the table, I kind my first thought with, with my fleets, it tends to be, okay, how do I get in and, and get that Pelta? Cause I know it can't really get away. Yeah. I, I come to be placing terrain specifically to make sure the Pelta can't get where I don't want it to go. So since the beginning of this year, we've had a couple of pretty major changes. Um, one being uh, Anakin commander version one, I suppose we can call him. Um, obviously that, that kind of put uh, a big hurt on any ship that couldn't take a punch. And, and, you know, I guess as tanky as these Peltas are, um, and even munificence, I mean, getting, getting punched three times in the face, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put the hurt on just about any ship pretty quick. Yeah, that Anakin one was brutal. I switched over to playing Onagers at that point with Sloan because I just didn't feel like dealing with Anakin one. Anakin two gets a bad rap. I think he would be amazing if we didn't have Anakin one. He's got some, uh, some baggage. But that's, that's a good point, though, because Anakin 2 now almost, yeah, you know, with, with a sort of a focus more on an MSU or an LMSU type of uh, uh, style, you know, you need more ships out there to be able to proc his ability. That kind of does part of the job of bringing these, you know, some of the Speed 2 ships, the, the Republic Peltas, Republic Victories, back into viability for that particular fleet anyway. Definitely. I think... Uh... Guard needed good rerolls to begin with, and that really does help a lot. And then the other big thing was the, you know, the the way the auditors got kind of uh, nerfed, or you know, the, their point rebalance, I guess you could call it, along with Ramadi. That one two punch has really done a number on the number of auditors that you typically see. Yeah, and before the Clone World uh, World came out, I played auditors a lot. To get a feel for them and i have to say i appreciate the point change i think it needed to be done um the other thing i could see is at some point if they change salvo so if you were in normal range it worked on ignition might be a thing that'd be good for the game too mm, right so given that and given that sort of like almost whiplash i guess of of um, we, you know, we had half a competitive season with everything flowing one way. And then we had another half of, of the competitive season with things kind of flowing back the other way. Um, what, what's your take right now on, you know, the state of the game, specifically like with, with your kind of play style, your, you know, obviously the Munificence had some tools already to deal with that type of an environment, but just in general. I think the state of the game is really interesting right now because there's so many different types of fleets that are viable. There's nothing that says you can't fly whatever you want. And it's really fun to play squadless because it makes the game faster, especially in the long tournaments. It's less draining. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So heading into the VWC, did you have any sort of 
ideas of the the sort of competitive landscape you'd see of you know other people in in the VWC? Do you, were you expecting to see more of the those sort of ships that we had talked about? Now the the onagers are less prevalent. Did you expect to see you know fewer onagers or the same number? Um, did, you, did you not really know what to expect? I expected to see fewer onagers, um, but I expected to see more than we got, um, which is surprising. Um, I also am really happy about how many players from every faction there were in it, and plus how many people signed up for it altogether. Yeah, it was really great to see that that huge, huge turnout. Um, and I was sorry, I was just looking up my onager number here when you mentioned it. My giant spreadsheet of doom. Here it is. I got four four onagers, one starter swear and three test beds. Were there any double onagers? I think there was where is Yeah, there was a single donager. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. Way less of that. Yeah. Because of the price. But I mean that's that means there's a total of, of three fleets out of eighty eight players that have that have onagers in them. Which I mean, even you look at the 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 faction breakdown, right? There were twenty nine, almost thirty empire fleets, and there were three three onager fleets. Yeah, I was surprised um, because you can still get a really good slonager list going, even though it's more expensive. I was surprised not to see more of those. Happy right. surprised. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, obviously. Um, you know, people have have had some success with the with the cog fleet, um, you know, with various degrees of um, of of bravery in Elan, I suppose. But uh, we'll we'll get to that in the uh, in the Swiss recap. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, just going down the factions, though, there are there are twenty five rebel fleets. Twelve of them, about half of them, twelve of them made it into the Swiss. There were none of the HMC eighty hulls taken at all. There were Peltas. There were Starhawks. Uh, but not, none of the giant space hoagies. Why do you think that is? I'm really not sure why you wouldn't take it. I know why I don't take it. I don't like the way it flies. And its arcs are lined up in a way that it's hard to double arc. So, like, you got this big piece out there. It's worth a lot of points, but it's hard to get its value out of it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so out of those uh, fleets, you've got... Um, uh starhawks one of each advanced which is kind of cool to see um you know not that uh not that the farm hawk and i don't know the 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 total fleet cup off the top of my head unfortunately but um you know it's it's nice to see that people are still getting use out of the, their starhawks and still having fun with them it's kind of a cool looking ship oh yeah and then um we've got uh pt106's fleet with uh with the Pelta in it. Um, and it's a Leia fleet and it's, 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 it's a, it's a cool little, little piece of, uh, piece of jank, I think with, with the rebel Providence, a CR 90, a Pelta, uh, Neb B, a GR. It's got a little bit of everything. And, and I'm really interested to see how that does going down, um, going through the Swiss. And with the Vassal World Cup, it's a lot of games, but they're not in a row. So you can play something that has a little more jank, a little more thought process to it, because you're not burning yourself out of being playing four games in one day. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, going on to the Empire, there are 29 Empire fleets. Again, about half of them, 14, made it into the Swiss. Uh, we didn't have any 
uh, command prototype SSDs, no, no victory ones. And of course, no combat interdictors because nobody, honestly, every year I kind of expect somebody to try to take one, but it, it just never seems to happen or at least very, very rarely. It's just, you know, it, it's, I think it rightly deserves the title of worst chassis in the game. I don't think I've ever flown it. Yeah. Um, the SSDs didn't advance, unfortunately. We've got two out of the five fleets with interdictors advancing. Though. You've got the, the Doninger that we mentioned has the interdictors as the third, and then you've got Louis Andre's King K fleet uh, with its interdictors. And then you've also got a, a Vic-2 that advanced into the Swiss, and uh, Robofet kind of made a, a moddy, almost pocket ISD out of it. Yeah, I really like that victory build. It looks like that's fun to play. Very, very punchy. The interdictors, uh, I've never been sold on them. They're, they seem Yanimiki. Uh, I like the fact that they can do projection extra pretty well in the Empire, but they don't do it for me. Yeah, fair enough. I remember when I first started playing and started to get a, a fleet together, I, I kind of, I don't know. I, th- I think I, I have a, a soft spot for strange gimmicky stuff because I kind of fell in love with the interdictor and I wanted it to do all sorts of crazy awesome things and i think if i went back maybe i'd have more success now and that i've had some experience in the game but just starting off trying to get it to you know perform along with the, the rest of my fleet and, and have it you know do do what it's supposed to do i just couldn't uh, i couldn't get it to work for myself yeah i can see that that's like when body first came out and i played a whole bunch of victories with him yes <laughs> yes looks good on paper right yep um, the Republic, 15 fleets, just over half of them, eight of them advanced to the Swiss. Um, in this case, we got all the Speed 2 ships, the, the Victories and the Peltas, all represented. Uh, two Vic fleets in particular, you've got uh, Wax Maniacal's uh, Commander Anakin fleet, and Admiral Taya's uh, Tarkin's Fat, she's got three uh, of the Garvics in her fleet. Wow, three. Wow, that is a, an impressive commitment to victories yes and and that's the thing i guess you know we were talking about your munificence and taking uh, engine text to kind of make up for their 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 slowness um tay is kind of kind of the other way and just added on strapped on guns to the side so even if you do manage to get around their their flank they're still very very dangerous yeah i do like the spats with the victories that and then nice. sorry I said that dice pool on it is nice compared to what it normally has. Yes, especially if you can get a double arc off on it. And then I guess our our um, our favorites, uh, Separatists, 19 fleets, uh, again, just over half, 10 of them in the Swiss. Only the Munificent Star uh, frigate represented. No comms frigates. Why is that? I think the comms frigate is actually priced too high because a three-point difference between the Columns Frigate and the Star Frigate, and you get a defensive retrofit and better flak. I just feel like it's more value for its money to go with that three points higher to get the slightly better chassis. You know, the normal offensive guns are the same, but it's defensive just a little bit better. That thermal shields makes such a difference. Right, right. Do you think there is a, a role for the Columns Frigate out there somewhere that we maybe haven't uncovered yet? In my first VWC, I played with the comms frigate and used it as a squadron pusher, and it can work. My problem is the squads just are lacking something, mm. something that I haven't been able to figure out for them. 
and I guess in, in the subsequent waves, we now have, you know, better, better squad platforms, uh, potentially than, than the comms frigate. Yeah. The Providence is definitely a better platform or the one version of the wreck. Yeah. Support. Yeah. Um, um, fleets of note in the Swiss, we have, uh, my pod mate in Rob, we trust with his RMM. Uh, we've got your RMM for the recent Muni Muni fleet. And then we've got Mako's he's flipped it on its head and he's gotten munificent recent recent. Yeah. That that's an interesting list. Um, uh, backseat admiral's double recent, uh, two ship is also interesting to watch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Those are those are some fragile two ships. Yeah, but he flies them well. Oh yeah, I guess. I guess if you're good, I mean, I guess we got we can just look at uh, Louis Andre for that. If you're if you're a good player, you can find success with just about anything. Um, other thing I noticed with the the separatists and their two speed um, ships, it's it's all Martuk. There's no no trench in there, even though like you mentioned, the you know the squadron pushing is decent. Um, I know I didn't take any of my Kraken list. I needed the, the, the MSU aspect of it to really, um, give myself a, a chance. Um, is, is the Muni really Martuk's ship or does he have, does it have a place in, in other fleets? Martuk really likes the Muni because it has two good arcs that you can almost always get on the same ship. So you're getting two extra dice on each activation to start with anyway. The downsides for Martuk are usually later in the game and you can generally work around it. I guess you got a decent enough dice pull out of, out of each arc that you can, um, like you say, you can work around, right? You can, you can land some damage, even if, even if there isn't that, uh, that extra dice or the dice taken away. I mean, um, and you're looking at two or three dice before you add a die to it. And like things like thermals, People don't want to use it against you because it only takes one die out and you're adding another die back in. So it's, I think he's just a well-costed admiral for the Separatists. I love Trench and wish he was five points cheaper. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, so that's that's kind of the 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 look through the VWC at those those ships. Do you, do you think? I mean, like I said, it's been half a season since the the last adjustments let's say you know with with anakin version two and, and the the onager nerfs and so on do you foresee if, if you're going to put on your your prognosticator hat here and look into the future do you foresee a healthier landscape maybe more people more fleets more success with these types of ships these these slower ships or do you think that they are kind of in a space where they are uh, where where they should be basically, you know, like like is this is this sort of the 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 role and the space that they should occupy within the game and and the meta? Yeah, I think you're never going to see the the speed two ships go away. They've been in the game forever. They're more viable now than they've been in the past, and I think it's generally a healthy space for the game. And I'm enjoying the fact that there are so many different lists you see with them. They're not all the same. So as a as a long time successful speed two ship admiral, what advice do you have for players who are looking at these ships and thinking, oh, I'd like to play with them, but oh, I don't know, they're not very fast, and they're going to get caught and swatted, and tears will occur. 
Well, if you know you can only go speed two, you know exactly where you can be at any stage of the game versus time period. So you can plan on where exactly your ships are going to be. If you have a plan for where they're going to be on the board through each round of the game and make your opponent work with that plan via whatever uh, choices you choose from their objectives or your objectives, making that plan work for you, they got to come to you at some point to get the points or they'll just get a small win. They run away from you. So basically use, you know, plan ahead, use objectives and bid to your advantage. Definitely. And if you're choosing to not care whether you go first or second, which is generally how I play, I usually play with all my points on the table instead of into a bid. I know which objectives that will work for me for my opponent's list and how to make an educated guess of where they're going to be based on the fact that I know how fast my ships are and exactly where they'll be. Also, with the Munificent, you have a pretty long threat range because all your dice are long range anyway. Yeah, fair enough. And I guess um, like your deployment count factors into that as well, I suppose, to a certain extent. So the more information you get from your opponent before you have to put down these slower ships, the better. Yeah, I prefer playing them with a lot of squads. I just couldn't get my head wrapped around Separatist squads enough to cry it out for this particular tournament. I like having at least six squads so you have three extra deployments to put those ships out. Yeah, no, same. I, I tried to, again, it, it's it's tough because they, they, they're neat and they're, they're, they're cheap squads, um, but balancing out the their fragility and, and what they can actually do for you during a game with those extra drops can be tricky. Um, I know it's on my my list this year to to put more time into separatist squads and squads in general. It's part of my game that's really hasn't had a whole lot of attention put to it. So that's something I want to work on. Yeah, I got uh, spoiled when I was playing Empire Rogue Heavy squads, and I need to go back and relearn the basics of squads <laughs> and redo them a little bit. A little boot camp, as you say. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. It's good to get back to basics. All right. Well, I guess that kind of wraps up our discussion here. Let's let's go a quick run through the uh, first week-ish of Swiss. Obviously, Swiss got kicked off uh, a little bit later than expected due to some scheduling issues. So it started on Thursday. So we've only got what, five days-ish worth of uh, worth of games played so far. And I mean, we've had a weekend in there, which is nice. So that means we've had a good a good batch of games. About half of them. Um, are in the bag right now uh, as far as um, you know as of when we record so just quickly to run through them um your 17th seed Kalorn has i think paid his penance and can now shake off the shadow of his final pod match he had a decisive 490 to 132 win over rimson so i think i mean i i don't i don't run the forums i don't run the vwc so i can't I can't say that he should lose his for shame tag, but you know, we, there's, there's some hope for him. I think. Definitely. Uh, our second seed brick house got off on the right foot. He took down solo serenity four sixty three to two Oh two. Now I, I wrote this as an upset, but it's angry Ewok. So it's, it's hard to knowing the quality of angry Ewok. It's hard to say angry Ewok is really an upset, but based on seed angry Ewok upset the 16th seed, uh, need two thirteen to 47. Uh, friend of the podcast and muster, 
uh, fell in his first game to Zaz, two eighty eight to one three one. Yeah, the dice gods were not with me in that game. Vassal's Vassal's gonna vassal. <laughs> uh, that's, Still a that's, fun that's, game, though. You you bet. That's 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 why I like my Kraken. Like I always have, I always have something, unless I lose all my ships and then I don't have Kraken anymore either. Uh, in the middle of a pack, uh, Paul Heaver won a close match against Mako, 284 to 185. Uh, 18th seed TX Honey Badger lost a close one to our 27th seed Arc Welder. Envis Specialist 86 got past 7th seed Specker. Is it speaker or Specker? I'm sorry, I, I, I should have checked beforehand. Um, I think th- I think we can call this a big upset. Uh, top seed Ras Proteus lost a very close game to Argentum. It was only a 17-point MOV uh, but knowing the quality of Rasproteus and knowing that he qualified top seed by, you know, uh, with, with a good run through his pod, uh, I think that qualifies this as, a, as an upset. Although with a 6-5, it's not like he's um, out of the running by any stretch. No, not at all. Uh, another friend of the podcast, Stu Bucket, won his first game with an opening match uh, 83-79 over Patrick. And Garrett got a big win over Deridian, 580-55. to Um like I said, about half the games are still to come between now and Thursday, I believe, is the is the new um, end of round one. Uh, I there's think been, so. And there's been, there's been a lot of hype, a lot of hype for this match between Spike and Louis-Andre, which I believe is happening at 8 p.m. Uh, UTC plus one on Thursday. So if anybody's in the, in the Euro time zone or up that late uh, or early, depending on where you are... Um, that's probably a, a really interesting one to watch or, or maybe it won't be. I don't know. It, it's, it's got the potential to be, to be super exciting. They're two very, very good players and with two neat lists. Uh, but also, you know, they're because they're good players, they kind of recognize their own strengths and weaknesses. And, and um, I'd be, I'll be interested to see how it, how it goes down and just how much of a chess match it becomes. Yeah. Those are the kind of games I wish I could record and watch at a time when I could watch it. Well, folks, if anybody out there ends up watching the Louis Andre Spike match and, and records a, a vlog, make sure you share it on the on the Discord. I know um, uh, Stu Bucket and Mercier have put out a call for anybody who may have saved any vlogs to post in there, so people can enjoy the games that they maybe don't get to see. Um, anybody wants to, you know, have a have a project of of taking those vlogs and adding commentary and graphics, that'd be cool too. Uh, I know I, I'd I'd like to do that. I just don't have time. But if anybody out there has the the skills and the time, please, please do. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess we'll we'll kind of catch up on the last half of round one and the first half of round two next week. We're kind of a little bit out of step with the um, with the World Cup as it happens. I mean, life happens. Uh, it happens every year. You know, you, you, the schedule comes out and everybody makes plans. And then those plans, uh, you know, kind of have to shift and, and, and adjust as things go by. Um, and I guess you've got a few more days to wait still before uh, finding out your round two opponent. Um, you're, you're enjoying your fleet though so far. It's feeling good for you. Yes, I'm really like this build. Um, Brickhouse actually convinced me to change it right before I did packs unplugged with them, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Good. That's it's 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 good to be going deep in a tournament with a list you enjoy, as opposed to like having to go deep in a tournament and not enjoy the list you're flying. Oh, definitely. All right. Well, I guess that just about does it. Just a short one this week. Um, you can thank uh, the the late start of the Swiss for that. Uh, I want to thank tonight's guest, uh, M. Muster. Thanks for joining us. I know it's late out where you are, and I appreciate you taking the time out to, to come and talk with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a blast. 
I'm uh, thrilled to be invited. Great. Well, from all of us to all of you out there, may the force be with you. Thanks for listening to the Food and Beat Show. If you have any feedback, feel free to reach out by email or Discord. Listen again next week for more Vassal World Cup commentary. Thank you.